Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of the Passion Effect podcast. Here on the podcast, we are passionate about helping you find happiness and purpose in your life through following your passions. Today on the Passion Effect, I am delighted to have my good friend Callum, who is here to share his passion for cricket. Callum talks about the spectacle, as my guest describes it, and the innovations happening within the game. Callum's message is simple. Cricket is more accessible than ever before, and he's here to explain why. If you haven't already, you can follow The Passion Effect on Instagram at The Passion Effect Podcast and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Callum, thanks so much for joining me on The Passion Effect today. Yeah, no worries, Jack. It's great to be here. Callum, what is your earliest cricketing memory? So my earliest cricket memory would probably be the iconic 2006-07 Ashes series in Sydney Test, where you had um, Justin Langer, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne all retiring, so it was their last wow, match. really? I yeah, didn't know yeah, that. yeah. So that was fairly sad test, I think, for some diehard cricket fans around that era. You know, the, the Ponting team of that generation was virtually unbeatable, and you had three of the better players retiring. And the most distinct memory I have is going on the last day, the victory day, should I say, when Australia went, the openers went into bat and they needed 48 runs to win. Well, and they managed to get there with Justin Langer managing to hold his emotions together and Matty Hayden up the other end, pummeling the ball everywhere. No so way. it was it was a iconic match to go to and I think that a lot of diehard cricket fans, if they didn't go, wish they did. Who inspired your passion for cricket? That's an easy question. So that was my grandfather who um, was just an encyclopedia of cricket knowledge. The stats, the averages, and when you have someone like my grandfather always talking about cricket every day you go, it kind of rubs up on you. And yeah, from definitely. that from that experience, I think that um, I've kind of almost shepherded towards enjoying cricket, and I think yeah. it's, a, it's a big part of my family. You sort of can't help but, I guess, be drawn to it, you know what I mean, yeah. when, it's, when it's such a big part of people's lives around you. And I guess most of your memories were related to your granddad. Yep, definitely. Related to cricket in some way, weren't they? Biggest memories were directly related to cricket. I actually have a really funny story which involves a bit of, uh, you know, some bit of classic Australian backyard cricket. Classic. And um, I'll paint the scene. We had my cousin, so my dad's brother's family, and we were all having a field. Friendly banter, friendly sledging. Friendly sledging, friendly very sledging. important, very important. And uh, my grandfather had just retreated into the shade because mm. we were in Tamworth at that stage. And Tamworth in the summer, very dry. Anyway, bowls it, dad hits it, and we all, it's like one of those moments where time kind of freezes. And you look up yeah. at the balcony and you can see my grandfather like jogging. No, I wouldn't say running, but you know, jogging to the end of the balcony wow. and taking a one-hand screamer off the edge. And then time unfroze and you can hear my mum going, oh no, don't fall off. No way, really? Yeah, so Grima, no injury. No injuries, but he, al- he almost God. fell off the balcony, which I think would have taken the funny part of the story out of it. That's so but funny. yeah, it was a great sight to see my grandfather dangling almost. You know, you see all these great catches on the cricket field. Still probably one of the better catches I've seen, so. Fantastic. And you were telling me that 2014 ODI Australia vs England, oh. that was a good memory for you? Yeah, yeah. So, um... 2014, I was staying with my grandfather, and we, we were distinctly watching the 2014 
um, ODI Ashes, if you want to call it that, against mm. England. One day and international cricket. One day international yep, cricket, it. so 50-50. 50-50 overs, yeah. And uh, England had batted pretty well, and I can distinctly remember Australia needing about 50 runs. And my grandfather's looking at me and going, nah, don't think they're going to make it because we're watching the match together. Um, maybe you should go to bed, you know, I wake up and see the result tomorrow. You can see how close they got, but I don't think they're going to win. And I remember that, you know, 12-year-old me was adamant that I was staying up and I was adamant that James Faulkner was going to pull off something great. Mm. And boy, did it pay off because that Australia managed to pull off <laughs> an unbelievable victory. To me, signaled the coming of something really good for Australia ODI cricket. Are there any professional cricket players that you admired growing up? And if so, why? When I really got into cricket when I was about five, it was, you know, at the top of Brett Lee's game. And I don't think there was anything more admirable as a youngster than watching a guy that didn't get as many wickets as Glenn right, McGrath did, right. but just bowled with extreme pace. Express pace, wasn't it? Express 150, pace. 150 plus, wasn't it? Yeah, easily. And interestingly enough, fun fact about Brett Lee was that oh, yeah. when he was about, I think it was about nine, he, he managed to get six wickets in an over playing juniors. And that was the moment where his coach was like, oh, bro, this kid's going to be amazing. And from then on, he was fast-tracked pretty much into um, New South Wales standards when he was about 14, 15. Six wickets in one over. Six wickets in one over. Wow, and I think the opposition was very happy. And then the other one was iconic, great player, Ricky Ponting. One of Punter. the best batsmen of all time. Surely. Easily, easily. Yeah. I think probably Smith would have something to say now, but I think he right. was called the best since Bradman. Interesting fact about Ricky Ponting is his nickname Punter came from his um, uh, borderline obsession of punting or betting on the Greyhound races with his um, fellow fellow cricketer Mark yeah, Wall. But wow. yeah, interesting guy. Still does a little bit of betting, I think. Not as yep. much as he used to. Great insight into the game. But yeah, what can you say more? You know, who doesn't admire Ricky Ponting? S- speaks for itself, doesn't it, Callum? Mm. What is the most valuable thing you've learned through playing cricket? Mm, that's a great question. I think that it stems from watching not an Australian player, actually, a South African player, the veteran Graham Smith, player to captain over 100 tests. Wow. And I distinctively remember great lesson on sportsmanship. Playing in Australia, I think, ironically enough, when Ricky Ponting was still captain. Right. So this is pre-2012. Yep. And eventually they got nine down. And Nine down. So this is number 10, number 11 batsman Graham Smith we're talking about. Yeah, that's correct. Genuinely was an opener. Right. And uh, they were nine down and everyone was like, they started shaking hands. But all of a sudden you see a bit of a commotion and you see Graham Smith walking out to bat. And um, he managed to bat with a broken hand for, I think, over an hour, well over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And got about within 20 minutes of drawing the test match and saving his team. Ricky Ponting went straight up to Smith when he finally managed to get out and shook his hand before celebrating. And I think that that's the most valuable thing you can learn from playing cricket is sportsmanship. Even when you're playing as a in, in club, even if it's not competitive, you know, if someone gets a 50 or a 100 and they get out, you always want to clap that person off. It's all about being competitive. Definitely. But there's definitely a fine line between being overly competitive and remaining a good amount of sportsmanship. And I think that's the most important thing is remembering, yeah, sure, you want to go out and win, but you don't want to make enemies with other people. You want to extend a passion of playing cricket. I think the best way to do that is being sportsman on the field. And I think that's the most valuable lesson I've learned is, especially with sledging, I think that, you know, yeah. it's all good and well to, you know, do a bit, you know, the fun, oh, batsman's batting like a bit of a donut, no ledge, no middle. <laughs> but I think that, you know, that's about as harsh it can get, really. 
Moving on to the different formats of cricket. Oh, you know, yes. I feel like people often mm. people often view cricket as just a five-day test match. Are there any alternatives, Callum? Yeah, there are. So two other main types of international cricket. So I mentioned briefly earlier about James Faulkner and um, the 50-50 format. Right. Called one-dayers, which essentially starts about two, finishes about ten. Yep. Each team gets 50 overs to get as many runs as they can. But I think the format that's taken the world by storm is T20 cricket. So 20 overs aside. And in your opinion, why do you think T20 cricket has become so popular? Why is that, Callum? The shorter format, instead of getting, for test cricket, you're getting 90 overs a day for five days. Right. You're impacting that down to two teams playing each other on one day with 20 overs aside. You've got a power play at the start where only a certain amount of fielders are allowed on the fence. And that really opens up the avenues of scoring. So you get teams mm. that are scoring it. 8, 9, 10, even 12 sometimes runs much, and over. And much faster than the test cricket sort of 2, 3 yeah. runs and over as well. Yeah, it's much, much faster because it's, it's about consolidating for the first few overs but then really cashing in at the end. And obviously the average games of these T20 matches are 3.5 to 4 hours so they're, they're much yeah. better for people who are time poor. I think now the restrictions are like a max of 80 minutes in innings so the players have to time manage really well. And, you know, obviously with batsmen hitting the ball into the crowds with a lot of sixes, mm. how do the crowds usually react to, to that sort of entertainment? Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of funny you mention that because I think it's now, especially for me as a passionate cricket fan, is um, crowd etiquette, crowd catches etiquette mm. more importantly because I think you'll notice that there's a bigger influx of you drop it, the crowd boos, right. you catch it, the crowd goes nuts. And it's, I think that really adds into the spectacle. You know, you can get the crowd involved, take a good Definitely. catch... One hand, one catches, still managing to control their beer underhand. And you even get the commentators joining in and going, oh, that was a great catch. And they're really trying to, you know, connect with more people. Want to just talk about the women's BBL. Definitely. Because I think it's really important for the game to also get girls involved. And it's really important for these girls to see that cricket isn't just about the men. You know, you've got superstar girl players, so... Off the go, you got Elise Perry, you got Elisa Healy, Beth Mooney. Beth Mooney, you've got, you know, Meg Lanning. It's really good for these girls on, yeah. to be involved in the game and also go, you know, they don't have to look up to C. Smith. Right. They can look up to their own, you know, their own women role models. And the women's BBL, the Australian women team, they've got arguably a much stronger team in some aspects. Because at the moment in the men's, you've got India dominating at test yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for Australia, unfortunately, the women's game is only exclusively pretty much short days. You've only right. got the test, yep. a one test match between one Australia match. and England. Yeah. But I think it's really important for the spectacle of the BBL. You talk about the youths getting involved, but it's also really important for, you know, girls to get involved. And as a such, you know, you've got an influx of growth almost in the amount of girls playing cricket. Yeah, definitely. Really and that, that really does wonders for the sport, doesn't mm, it? It does. And you've yep. got the viewership goes up as well, which is really amazing. And I know we've talked a lot about the T20 tournaments. And mm. Can you just give us maybe a couple reasons, Calm, why they are entertaining? So I mentioned before, you've got a really good, I think, a really good aspect of the T20 games. It's called the power play. Right. So essentially, in the first six overs, teams are only allowed two players on the fence. Right. Which really means that you get especially good batsmen. Yep. Really going for it, aren't they? With and the that yeah. really involves the crowd to start with. And I mentioned the spectacle, and it's not just about the cricket. You've got music playing after every ball. Right. Got the pyrotechnics going yeah, off after yeah, every four and six. Fireworks and yep. smoke machines. The team can wear bright colours as well, don't they, Cal? Mm. That really captures the audience's attention. It helps identify who you're rooting for. So you're not going, oh, I thought I was rooting for this team, but I right. was actually going for this team. 
And with Test now, they've put the numbers and the names of the players on the back, which is right. something that BBL and domestic shorter form started. That also gives the fans, oh, that's my favorite player because right. I can see him there. Right. You know, they don't have to know the face. They can just know the number or they can see the name. And the bright colors as well. You know, you've, you don't get confused. No, you don't. You, you have two Sydney don't. teams playing against each other. It's not two Sydney teams. It's exactly. the pink team and the green team. Pink team and the green team. And I mentioned earlier as well about the whole spectacle and it's reaching. It's brilliant. One more question, Callum. Why should people get involved in cricket? Well, other than what a great sport, why not? Um, I think it's, you know, social. The social aspect, it's great. You don't have to play cricket competitively. You can get, grab some mates, go down, have a hit in the backyard. It doesn't have to be competitive cricket. Backyard definitely. cricket, great way to introduce your family to yes, the rules. Yes, definitely. It's a great way to get your friends around, even street cricket. You know? Oh, yeah, okay. Just be careful of hitting the ball through the windows. <laughs> might <laughs> That's be, it. might yeah, get a bit de- expensive. Yeah, definitely. I mentioned before, I think especially with the short forms, in being involved in the spectacle, you know, these players are coming out. They all are really good at their, what they do. And it's about putting on a show for the fans and getting everyone to love the sport as I do. 100%. Well, Callum, I think that just about wraps up episode eight of the Passion Effect podcast. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your passion for cricket. Yeah, anytime. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Passion Effect podcast. The Passion Effect will be taking a two-week hiatus and we will be back on Friday, August 28th. Go subscribe to The Passion Effect on Apple, Spotify or Google so you don't miss an episode. Stay safe, stay healthy and until next time, keep following your passions.